0: Welcome to the HBOT News Network. We're blessed to continue the conversation with Dr. Paul Harch. And, and in, in this conversation, we're gonna cover the topic of autism. And uh, there's, a, there's a lot of concern about autism, as, as anyone dealing with this may know, is that the percentage and the number of, of children today um, with autism is increasing, and it's, it's quite alarming. And uh, so there's a lot going on with autism that may be in that controversy, um, everything from the, the concern that, that vaccines and vaccine injuries may be causing it to some other, um, other issues. So welcome Dr. Harch and really look forward to covering the topic of autism. I know it's,
1: it's on a lot of people's minds these days. Great to be here, great to be here. You know, the first thing about autism is that people need to realize that it is not a psychiatric diagnosis. And that is, has been one of the biggest roadblocks to understanding and or applying treatment is that it was first uh, defined um, and described by Dr. Cantor in, I don't know, the 30s or 40s um, as a psychiatric diagnosis. Now, if you think about it, I mean, just right out of the gate, a pediatric psychiatric diagnosis. I mean, what's the probability of that, especially with the the features of it? You know, no eye contact and repetitive behaviors and uh, no social interaction, uh, the speech delay, etc. It turns out it is another wounding condition of the brain. It's just that all of the potential contributors have not been identified uh, to this wounding process. And, And this came to light in um, 2001 when I got uh, uh, invited to make a presentation at U.S. House of Representatives uh, from Indiana, uh, Dan Burton's House Oversight Committee. His grandson had autism and starting in the late uh, 90s, every year he'd have an Oversight Committee hearing on autism. First four years they talked about causation and there was so much wrangling over that, uh, he finally decided, look, we're not getting anywhere, why don't we just talk about treatment? And I had treated probably the, well, the second. Uh, The first was a child treated in Florida, but the first series of children with autism uh, using hyperbaric oxygen. And um, uh, when we were getting ready for the presentation, uh, there was another doctor who actually is from North Carolina, Dr. Rashid Buttar, uh, who had made a name for himself. Uh, He had an autistic son with, um, uh, you know, the Concept and the belief that mercury in the vaccines was co- the thimerosal uh, was causing autism, and I told him, look, I, you know, I don't want to be conflicting with what your testimony is going to be and your chelation treatment, but the first five autistic children I treated were birth injuries, C- clear-cut problems at birth, and the children were abnormal from day one. So this wasn't the regressive form that after a series of, let's say, vaccines or in the 15 to 18 month or two year age group suddenly lost speech and regressed in terms of function. These were ones with injured brain. And I had imaging on them before and after hyperbaric oxygen showing the effect of it. So uh, as it turns out, there, there's just a plethora of information on the fact that it, it is a physical brain abnormality that's causing the autism phenomenon, uh, the, the diagnosis in these children. And if you look at functional imaging scans that have been done on these children, 90% of them are showing that it's primarily involving the temporal lobes and frontal lobes, mostly temporal lobes, uh, which is very interesting. And so I have now a you know, good series of these children that we've treated, and about 80% of them will respond to hyperbaric oxygen. And there are various causes of which may explain why maybe 100% don't respond, but there are different insults to their brains and it's environmental. There's no such thing as a, a genetic epidemic. We have an epidemic of autism and epidemics are either caused by environmental factors or infectious agents. And the environmental factors can be that we don't know. Maybe it's uh, this extreme amount of now cellular and EMF traffic that's in the air uh, that's uh, potentially bioactive and inhibiting development in the temporal lobes. It's a connectivity issue, primarily. Uh, could it be uh, vaccine contribution, stimulation of the immune system, underlying nature of autism? is, is There's a dominant immune dysfunction in these children often manifest in the GI tract, uh, among others, but also the brain. So, uh, you know, the, the pathology that's been identified, and there's a beautiful article that's written by Dr. Dan Rosinal, family practice physician with two autistic sons. He and his wife, Lanier, who's a nurse practitioner, have written a, a series of articles on hyperbaric oxygen. And in one of them, he reviews all of the pathophysiology, the disease processes that have been identified in autistic children. And then he reviews all of the science of hyperbaric oxygen therapy effects on all of those disease processes, uh, such that it's a match, it's a good fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the studies have been kind of controversial, positive, some neutral, you know, none negative.
0: Um, well, you say 80%. I mean, when I think 80%, I just hope I'm not in the 20. Number one, right? but, but, but you know, what, what therapy, what treatment is 80% successful, that doesn't get approved and isn't you know, utilized um, is, 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 is of great concern, is that we right. have this this amazing treatment for autism, irregardless of what causes it, because there's a large following of, of, of parents that noticed the change when they got a vaccine, they got a fever, oh, yes. or the, ch- the, yes. the child had some inflammatory response to whatever they were given. And then and then the child completely changes, not smiling anymore, and there's this issue. In fact, there's one case of I think triplets that's 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 known that, that you know, one at a time they all you no know, the, the the switch flipped. And as as I believe you just said, it's not genetic. No. And so, so that's the that's the fallback. Oh, it's genetic, they all have that, you know, problem but
1: it's what? a joke. Yeah, it's it's a diversionary uh, it's a diversion to not focus attention on what may really be contributing, uh, to, to such as you know this this plethora of uh, vaccine administrations to uh, immature immune systems. You know these young children, uh, oh, and, and, and you know other causes. It's focused on oh, there's a genetic problem here. Like all of these kids suddenly an epidemic of genetic disorders. It's never occurred. Yeah, it it's unheard of. doesn't make a lot of sense.
0: And so, no. so if you grouped all of you know, what, we, what was just said here, it's an inflammatory issue, is, is it not?
1: Appears to be, yes. Mm-hmm. And of course, what does inflammation result from? Some insult that is inducing tissue damage and or stimulating directly the immune system.
0: Now, is it fair to say that hyperbaric oxygen is the most powerful
1: anti-inflammatory therapy known? I think that is fairly, that is an accurate statement in terms of encompassing the entire range of immune dysfunction. So, for instance, antihistamines are very powerful for. Uh, you know, the allergic type of response, that component of the immune system where there's dysfunction, but an allergic reaction. So yes, it is. But in terms of the many different components, well, think of it, of the 8,101 genes that have been shown to be affected in human cells by a single hyperbaric oxygen exposure, the largest clusters that are involved are the anti-inflammatory genes, upregulation, turned on, and suppression of the pro-inflammatory genes. And there are many genes that are active with the immune system. So in the the area of autism,
0: are there studies, like thousands of autistic children have been studied and looked at with and without, you know?
1: I don't know if it's thousands, uh, but there are hundreds that have been done in the studies. Mm -hmm. But again, they're controversial, and and the last one of them that uh, a lot of you know, stock was put in because it had a neutral effect. Actually, it was a a study where they were doing ABA therapy, and it was done by an ABA therapist, was the primary investigator. Uh, And there was a hyperbaric uh, physician, Dr. Bradstreet, that was involved with it also. But uh, these kids were getting maximal therapies, and the hyperbaric oxygen was added to it. And so I I don't know that... uh, you know, the effect was enough that really could see it amidst all the other things that were being done on these children. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I think they may have been even overstimulated, over-therapized, if you will, that it was, you know, that they had trouble separating out some dominant effect. At least it was not in that study. But there's some other complications. But the point is, though, it wasn't positive. So people say, oh, geez, well, here's one done by a non-hyperbaric physician primarily, that has, you know, uh, no positive results, see it didn't work. But there are others that have, and it's, it's contrary to my experience. And I've got imaging where we've shown this in children. It, uh, after one treatment or a series of treatments, changes in these children's brains to more normal or improvement in perfusion, let's say, in the temporal lobes. So, uh, you know, the studies are, are controversial and, and complicated, and it's a mix of it. But my experience and if you, Dr. Rosnell and I in 2019 were at a conference together and in a kind of blinded way, I just asked him, you now have treated probably, I don't know, thousand, I don't know how many children with hyperbaric oxygen amongst all the other therapies that you deliver. I said, what's your success rate? It was identical to mine. It was 80%, he said 80% of these children, I tell the parents they have a chance uh, that they will see improvement. Very I right. just looked at him, and it's like, and we do not communicate on any regular basis. Eighty percent. His experience and my experience. Eighty percent.
0: Yeah. So, so understanding terminology and some of what's going on with with autism, and uh, I may get this completely wrong, but from an engineering standpoint, you know, I've been exposed to understanding the inflammation, and and in, in my mind, these poor children are suffering from. You know, an inflamed brain, you know, per se. Yes. And 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 so hyperbaric is introduced, and and then you have this reduction in inflammation. And and I know that you know from parents and talking to people and in in you know dealing with that situation is that they see fairly quick improvements. You know, child's four years old, not potty trained, suddenly they're potty trained. You know. Child's not looking at them, you know, two years old, now they're looking at them. You know, they, those little subtle things that, that many parents take for granted because their kids don't suffer from that. When you introduce the term neuroplasticity, is, 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 does, that, does that play a role in what you talked about just earlier there where, the, where they did the study? And you, essentially you have this educational physical therapy component, you know, being delivered at the same time. So it's not, you know, it's not purely hyperbaric it's a whole plethora of therapies that are being provided so it it sort of muddies the water. Neuroplasticity, where does that play a role in here? Is that that part of it, is that the neuroplasticity?
1: Well, neuroplasticity is is part of all of it and the response to any therapy. Neuroplasticity just means uh, neurologically, our tissue is susceptible to and capable of changing, growing, you know, making new connections, et cetera. It is plastic. It can be molded and shaped and, and so on. And that's what that just is saying. But and a learning process cou- can do that. Of course it can. Mm-hmm. You know, stimulation does. And so, you know, the, the one thing that I have tried to do, uh, first of all, neuro-rehabilitation is <clears throat> really a multi-modality process. I mean, to get the best results, uh, ideally, you like to have, it takes many different therapies. However, what I've been trying to do all these years, these decades, is answer a simple question. Does hyperbaric oxygen therapy work for your condition or not? Well, if they come to me and I throw at them harmonic therapy, music therapy, water therapy, horse therapy, uh, you know, OTPT speech therapy, hyperbaric oxygen, and the child's better, What did it? You have no idea. There's so many variables there. And and the bigger problem is now, those parents are wedded to that whole constellation of therapies. It Mm. is extremely expensive going forward. And then, if you have a problem or side effect in the midst of it, what caused it? It's an all stop. Mm. Then you gotta remove stuff and try to go back and guess what caused it. I've tried to answer that question so that when patients leave my clinic, after we've done an initial set of treatment, we've got an answer. You're either better, you're worse, or you're the same. And, but ideally, yes. Then I try to combine, or what I do is I wait until we have a very clear-cut effect that the hyperbaric oxygen is affecting the child, the adult, whoever it is, and that the parents are identifying it and saying, "Wow." There's, we're, we're having a change we haven't seen in ever, or years, or whatever it's been. My child's never done this. And once they are convinced that that child has changed, or the adult, then I start bringing in the others because I describe hyperbaric oxygen, it is a foundation biological therapy. There is no therapy out there that has been identified that can do what hyperbaric oxygen can do, including activating 40% of our genome. There is nothing. So it, it is stimulating growth of tissue, doing so many different things. And now you want enrichment. That's where the training and the making new connections and the stimulation, the cognition, you know, cognitive stimulation, et cetera.
0: And that's uh, the buzzword, neuroplasticity. Yes.
1: Let's, let's teach it. Yes. We grew
0: it, now let's teach it. Yes. So, so if if there's a message that, that I think coming out of this that we could give to the president of the Autistic Society, the parents that are depending on them for um, resources, assistance, financial assistance, um, help with their children that are severely autistic, is to to just look at the possibility. If 80% of the autistic children can see improvement, how much further can that money go? How much more could we do? And how many more children can live a normal life and not be, you know, subjected to the tortures of this inflammatory response that that can result in a life of disability?
1: I'd be more blunt. And it's essentially what I I said in the book, chapter 12. I'm sorry. If your doctor is giving you negative information, flatly ignore him. Go get this therapy for your child. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, because the hyperbaric oxygen in and of itself is neuroplastic. It is a neuroplastic. It is affecting neuroplasticity. You know, the downside, yes, you can overtreat, but you, you just practice medicine. You look, is this child going to be someone who's showing some side effects and so on? It's no different than if you dosed a drug with the child. And we are. We're dosing a two-component drug, pressure and oxygen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they're having untoward effects, well, maybe you got the dose wrong. You need to change it. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, you stop. And, and, and I
0: think in reality, from most of the clinical trials that I read, I always see safe and effective for yes. hyperbaric oxygen. That's, that's the general term, safe and effective. And then, and then there's the, the um, conflict of interest sections that, that become most interesting. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, and you, you can see any of the negative studies that, that um, don't conclude much more than we need more research. Um, generally have some conflict of interest when you, when you dig in and you want to find even the nonprofit that's raising money for the condition, that funded the, 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 the study, um, is, is, is concerned about the donations that, you, know, you know what, to me, take the money further, help more people, wouldn't be great if the autistic society that's helping people was not helping people that were dealing in a desperate situation but just had need of help. And yes. Not desperate for help, and I think there's the opportunity that I wish they could just see. Yes. Well, thank you for covering that topic, and uh, it's it's short and sweet. Get your kid in there, and uh, and 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 exactly. And, and what about what about age? Is is age an issue? Have you treated autistic adults?
1: Yes, I want to say the oldest is thirty, uh, but I remember very well a twenty-two year old. Asperger's, you know, higher functioning uh, autistic uh, young man uh, where we had, you know, a clear cut benefit yeah. with him. Um, so again, it, it's, it's never too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, one of those five children that I presented to Dan Burton's oversight committee just came back this last week. She's now 18, 19 years old mm-hmm. and treated her. She's doing well she's improving. She continues to improve. And the grandmother who has, you know, power of attorney for her and is, is her guardian and takes care of her, you know, just told me, look, I, I, I keep bringing her back because every time we do, in a little burst of treatment, she has another little burst in neurological improvement. Wonderful. Wow. And this was a girl who was biting herself, walking on her knees, had, you know,
0: it's not a pretty sight for some of these no. poor children hitting their heads against the wall. No, yeah. no. they're in such pain, yeah. and so I just can't imagine we, if we had gone through that as children, the torture that they're going through. When eighty percent can get improvement, and we're ignoring it, you know, mostly. And they can't express it. They can't, yeah, because they're
1: the they're children. nonverbal.
0: Well, thank you, thank you for for your um, wisdom <laughs> dealing with autism.